This is Brother William Kantz with this week's lesson from Ephesians 4. The verses are 1 through 16. And the title of this week's lesson is Walking Worthy. Again, from the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. And the text reads from the New King James. I, therefore... The prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Verse 7, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore he says, When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Praise God's holy and divine word. The Ephesian letter divides itself fairly, evenly, fairly evenly into two parts. The first part deals with descriptions of what the universal church is about. We are exposed to majestic theological truths. And the second part deals with the kinds of lives God's people, the new man, the new woman, the saints in his church, are to live. Notice Romans 12 and verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The prayer here in Ephesians 4 becomes an admonition, a series of exhortations. In our lesson text, the Apostle Paul charged the Ephesians 
to walk worthy of the calling with which they were called and we are called as well. Ephesians 4 and verse 1. With these words, Paul called for the Christians to live in a way that matched God's expectations. A biblical walk is noted by fellowship and obedience toward God that results in divine favor. Notice Genesis 5, verse 24. Enoch walked with God. Also notice Hebrews 11, verse 6. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. When we walk with God, it may not make things easy, but it makes them possible. Walking with him gives us assurance of his presence and power in our lives. Therefore, we must believe and receive Jesus Christ by faith, John 3, verse 16, and be active witnesses, Mark 16, verse 15. Paul made a similar point in his letter to the Philippians when he wrote, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the gospel, the faith of the gospel. Philippians 1 and verse 27. Worthy is a high standard of spiritual excellence to which Christians are expected to conform. The therefore that begins chapter 4, verse 1, refers to the previous section of the letter calling individuals in God's body, the church, to walk worthy of the fullness of God. Let's notice Ephesians 1 and verse 23, where Paul writes, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And also chapter 3, verse 19, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with what? All the fullness of God to be filled with this fullness requires a worthy walk. When Christians walk worthy, Paul informs us that such requires all lowliness and gentleness with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Ephesians 4, verses 2 through 3, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. 
Colossians 3 and verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, verse 13 in Colossians, bearing with one another, self-reflection is required. Am I walking worthy of the vocation? I was chosen to serve. Paul takes from the Beatitudes his focus on individual humility. In, the, in uh, Matthew chapter 5, in the Beatitudes, the first indicates being poor in spirit, recognizing the need to mature. The third, being meek and humble. The fifth, being merciful. These characteristics require that nothing be done in vain glory or strife. Philippians 2, verse 3. That we are not beguiled, Colossians 2 and verse 18. That we are not puffed up, Colossians 2 and verse 23. That we practice, feel mercy, empathetic love, deep compassion one for another, Colossians 3 and verse 12. Before concentrating attention on the oneness of the church and the doctrines of Christ, believers need to nurture a humble perspective. For Paul, unity must begin with personal behavior. If one is not able to act unselfishly, it does not matter what truths are acknowledged. Paul admonishes and urges peace, the peace that is given to mankind in Christ. Remember, God is God all by himself. The Christian life must be characterized by a recognized humility to be unfurnished in our estimation of self in relation to God. To recognize our relation to God in humble obedience. A Christian is to suppress ego, practice kindness, gentleness, patience, and an intentional, a diligent effort to promote empathetic interactions. Rather than living selfishly, we must show consideration to one another. We recognize this as togetherness. When we practice peaceful togetherness, we glorify, we honor God. This is a consequence, an expectation of our calling as Christians. Paul uses this concept of togetherness 40 times in his letters. Togetherness or unity for the church begins with a common confession and proceeds to a way of life. Unity based on biblical revelation is a heavy responsibility and requires the persistent attention and effort of God's people. 
Some 200 years ago, Thomas Campbell challenged the sectarian Christian world with this proposition. Quote, the church of Christ upon earth is essentially, intentionally, and constitutionally one, close quote. His declaration is consistent with Paul's. Christ adds the saved to his body. The task of the church is to promote that unity within the bounds that Christ established. Notice Luke 6, 46. We cannot be united if we serve more than one God. Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. We cannot be united if we practice more than one baptism. And also notice Ephesians 1, verse 22 through 23, and Ephesians 5, verse 25 through 30. Because Jesus died for the church, which is his body, and because he has only one body, we must be part of the one true church that belongs to him. Again, we must be part of the one true church that belongs to him. Acts 20, verse 28, Matthew 16, verses 18 through 19. We are added to that church when, in obedience to the directions of the one spirit, we are baptized into one body. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13 through 14, and Acts 2, verse 47. The singular hope of heaven we enjoy from this obedience to the one Lord and his teachings. Notice Jude 3. The faith which was once for all delivered to the saints, obedience, therefore, to the one Lord and his teachings, the one God makes all of this possible. When these unifying truths are accepted by each Christian, the church will be able to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Verse 3. Now we have a description of this unity of the Spirit of Christ. Verse 4. One body, one Spirit, one hope, Verse 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. This unity has different aspects. Notice Ephesians 1, 5, 1, 10, and 2, 7. It is one hope as a result of the glorious future of Christ in which all believers share. Unity in God constitutes freedom the perfect liberty of the individual in Christ. Notice James 1, verse 25. Unity is the consequence of belonging to God, verse 7. Grace was given. This grace, free, unmerited gift of God, verse 8. Paul references Psalm 68 and 18. You have ascended on high. You have led captivity captive. You have received gifts among men, even from the rebellious, that the Lord God may dwell there. 
God's triumphant ascension to his throne in the temple represents his heavenly throne. Paul applies this to Christ's triumphal ascension into heaven. Paul quoted from Psalm 68 to introduce the idea of the gifts of, to men. He takes the opportunity to remind his readers of Christ's coming to earth, his incarnation, and his subsequent resurrection and ascension. Verse 11, he, Jesus, himself gave four offices, apostles, prophets in the Greek, meaning special foundational ambassadors of God's work. He gave evangelists, pastor, teacher. Uh, notice First Corinthians 1 and verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Paul told the Ephesians that God gave to each Christian grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Chapter 4, verse 7. The Lord distributed gifts as he measured the needs, abilities, and faith of each. The gifts Christ gave were the outcome of his having descended from the heavenly realms to take the form of a servant. We are to do no less. We are to take the form of a servant. Recognize the value of each individual. Work with each individual for the glory of God. The distinctive personality and situation of each individual is preparation for the service and upbuilding of the body of Christ. Verse 12, equipping, meaning to put right or mending of the saints. Service is done within the limit of our individuality, our skills, our divinely given uniqueness. We are to recognize that everyone matters. Everyone has a capacity. Every Christian has a capacity to contribute to the kingdom. God's people in community, the saints, are equipped for service. We are here to reinforce that equip, being equipped. We are to help the saints and ourselves collectively take advantage of the gifts we are given for the advancement of the gospel. There is a difference between the now and the not yet, verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith. From our present status, here and now, we must anticipate the not yet. Notice 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 10. But when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part, then that which is in part will be done away. Again, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. We are to be whole. We are to be conformed to Christ. We anticipate the not yet time of Christ by avoiding every wind of doctrine, verse 14, or sectarianism, which means we must not follow 
a particular sect or party, we must not display bigotry, prejudice, judgment toward each other. When individuals are mature, they are not led astray. Instead, because they are properly grounded in both behavior and belief, they speak and act in a way that builds up the body of Christ. Paul calls this speaking the truth in love, and he suggests that such enables individuals to grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Verse 15. Speaking the truth in love. Verse 16. Every member of the church must do what he or she can in a coordinated effort, in a joyous reunion, an acclamation of love and service for the glory of God. When we do, the church will grow in Christ and prosper. This lesson is yours. Thank you for your participation in this ongoing study. I pray that something has been said that is both edifying and uplifting. Next week's lesson is The New Man, The New Adam, and it comes from Ephesians 4, verses 17 through 32. Let's pray one for another. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We approach your throne of grace with all humility and lowliness of spirit. Father God, we, we thank you. We recognize that thou art God, God Almighty, wise Yahweh, God all by yourself, we thank you, we thank you for your love, your mercy, your long-suffering, your everlasting grace. We thank you for your word personified in Jesus Christ. We thank you for his sacrifice, his body and shed blood that continues to cleanse us of our sin. We pray for those who do not know you yet. We pray for space and time for them to come to know you before it is everlasting, and eternally too late. Father God, we pray for those physically, mentally, and or emotionally affected by the evil, the chaos, and the confusion of the world. We pray for all within the sound of my voice. We pray for our extended families, our health, and our opportunity to prosper in spirit and in truth. Thank you for your holy presence. And it is in the name of your precious Son and our Savior, we offer up this prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Christians, let us reach out in Christian love this week. Let's praise God from whom all blessings flow. Count it all joy. Stay safe. Bye for now.